Hello and welcome to Naturally Smart People. As you would know if you've heard this programme before, serendipity plays quite a large part in our construction of these programmes, both in terms of the direction the interviews go and also in the circumstances that set them up in the first place. Um, today's is no exception. I had a really great opportunity the other day, um, half term was upon us, and uh, it was a quiet afternoon on Friday. And my friend Penny Moon sent me an email saying, I happen to be in Todmorden, would you like to meet up for some cake? Well, not being one to turn down cake, I was immediately interested in the idea of this and then thought, what a great chance to have a chat with Penny and catch up on what she's doing. Penny is the director of a wonderful programme called A Quiet Place. Um, a Quiet Place builds an evidence base around personal development and support for young people well, people of all ages, really, um, which focuses on their dreams and future aspirations and creates a very holistic way of doing that. So the interview really is more of a conversation around cake, um, but little snippets of Penny's insight and deep understanding of this uh, situation where people both need support and quiet sometimes to make sense of the world around them is another great addition to our second series. I suppose if it was escape this time, we're talking about the mindscape. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, um, carrot cake. Mm. Now, I met somebody yesterday, one of those one of those connections. Yeah. And she's put together a small group of women who've had wobbles over time, as most of us have. Mm -hmm. And she's invited me to go along to the group, and it's called Fruitcake. Right. There, is, there is a problem because I don't like currents, so I feel I can't join unless I'm currents I'm, or current events. Currents, currents or tarnas, because at boarding oh, school, right. yeah, yeah, they were dead flies. The nuns would have put dead flies. No, in. oh, they would, I'm sure. But for me, they have the texture of dead flies because <laughs> I've eaten a lot of dead flies. <laughs> so unless. I can go on behalf of lemon drizzle cake. I don't think. Can you not like request it? I could, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh... So Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. What was your week like? Mm. Really interesting. Give me a typical week. Oh, there's no such thing. <laughs> mm. Every week's different, mm. and meeting really interesting people. Mm -hmm. So, today, as I said, going to look at a potential tent for our magic carpet programme, a portable one. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, the BBC. All right. I'm doing what? Mindfulness training. So at it, the BBC? Yes, it was at Media City, which is mm. Windy City. It's a crazy place. Yeah. Um, managed to get parking on the 10th floor, but the view was fabulous. Mm -hmm. And it was some kind of arrangement with this um, 
this lady who knew the person who was running it. And so they had they had a few stands. They had a, like diet and running. And I'd seen the lady who was doing the running one. I'd noticed her when I was having a meeting at Costa before. I'd noticed how um, she was a woman of a certain age, whatever that means, because I'm of a certain age, plus, plus, plus. <laughs> And I thought, this lady's a runner. There wasn't a pick on her, so right. that's a very old-fashioned term. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She looked like she was running or cycling, that kind of weathered... Not more person than goat. No, more goat than person. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she was at the stand and trying to get people involved in running and doing marathons. And I said, yeah, I haven't got quite the marathon shape. I didn't say you look, look like you have because people who run they tend to be physical types, don't they? A, a certain type of person who's yeah. very determined as well to focus and discipline. Is that yes. yourself, Paul? No, I used to run. I used to do a little bit of fell running, but I was so bad at it. <laughs> Partly because you have to go up hills. I know that's not good. It's not a great start, <laughs> you know. Um, it's like swimming, isn't it, where you've got to get yeah. wet. Which then, yeah, I used to play quite a good role because I was always last. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone has to come last, so mm -hmm. I thought I'd take mm -hmm. that very seriously. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it sort of reached the end when I think I got beaten by um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a message there, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> you know, time, time's up, mate. You know. <laughs> no, not for me really but I know what you mean there is a mm. certain type but they're, they are impressive though mm. particularly around here with the fells they, they just sprint amazing. up the hills it's amazing and, but yeah not, not a pick on them it absolutely expresses mm. it doesn't mm. it because you can't afford to carry any weight if you run and some people who I've seen walking over hills they carry these huge burdens on their backs and I, I want to I stop myself offering to give them a lift because yeah. I know that would be contrary to their their <laughs> outcome, really, wouldn't it? But I always think, well, yeah. what, why are you doing this? What are you people, expecting? Yeah. Well, what, why are you actually doing this anyway with a great lump of a yeah. thing on the back? The, surely the pleasure of looking round and... It's reduced yeah. by carrying a big rucksack. Well, well I yeah. would have thought so. I like to waft. I must admit, I've never quite understood the walking pole mentality no if you're only going for like a short walk mm. except one occasion when i came down from crinkle crags in the lake district mm. and my knee was hurting and someone lent me one. Oh yes and you sort of get why spiders have so many legs <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like the balance is amazing <laughs> and it's, yeah. and it's um, yeah it was it was quite a revelation but then Walking around here with sticks, you just people just think you're a, an idiot, really. <laughs> you know, just to very, get up the hill. Very stylish sticks, oh, yeah. I think, aren't yeah. they? I mean, you could. You do see the walking clubs though, wandering past sometimes, and every one of them has a rucksack and mm. enough provisions to last about six months. Mm. And walking sticks, and then sort of spare walking sticks, mm. like like a spare tire, you know, just mm. in case the walking stick breaks. Yeah, I know what you mean. It ruins a good walk, really. <laughs> <laughs> but each to their own, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so the BBC on Thursday. Mm. Yeah. And um, I also met a woman I hadn't seen for about twelve years before that. 
and uh, she's from Common Purpose. Have you come across them? It's a kind of leadership programme. Hmm. It's been going ages. And they seem to get to people in high places that you wouldn't get to. So the chief of the fire brigade in the city, oh, yeah. uh, that kind of thing. And you're taken to these places where you wouldn't normally go. And I went one, I'm not much into groups, I have to say, but um, I went to one, must be 12 years gone, called 2020. Hmm. <clears throat> and it was for CEOs, and that's rather grand for my company with three or four people. That's what you've got, to, yeah, that's yeah. the game. <laughs> and you went for five days and stayed at, in some big house down south. And then you were taken to Downing Streets. Then you were taken to Brussels to the EU. You know all this. This is pre-Brexit. Pre oh yes, this yeah, is yeah. a long time ago. And met various company heads that you wouldn't have got to know. But what shocked me um, was the emptiness of those enormous buildings in Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> Just all for show. And okay. the other thing that really shocked me was the real uh, admiration for English, I'm going to say English as well, a parliament and democracy right. as being the example of democracy in the world. Gosh, that's uh, interesting. Well, I thought From Europe? Was, yeah, because we were meeting yeah. the people in, uh, in the EU. Yeah. A number of people said, oh, you know, the, the English democracy. Perhaps they said British, but I'm mm. sure it was English because that's where it came from originally, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. Historically, it's been around a while, hasn't mm. it? Yeah. Absolutely. I remember going to the Isle of Man once mm. and there's a moot. Is it a moot? Yes. It's yeah. a circle yeah. where they, and that's older than Parliament. Yeah, it's really, really old. Yeah. But you could still see this structure where mm. people would sit in a big circle. <laughs> and it was interesting because out in the desert in Australia, the guys often sit in circles for decision making mm. there mm. as well. You know, yeah. they sit around a fire and have a, a mood of sorts. Yes. Yeah. 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 Seems to have quite a consistent part of human activity, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose it's... democracy is, is more inclusive than mm. just usually the blokes there. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, though, that we've maintained a sort of polar, what's the word? Where people sit opposite each other rather than a circle. The parliamentary mm. building is it. Is, is. Yeah. Whereas you go to say, yeah. is it Hollywood up in Scotland? Mm. It's more mm. circular. Right. And in Australia, in Canberra, the mm -hmm. parliamentary building's a big sort of. It is. There's an opposition party in there, obviously, and, yeah. the, and the main party, but it is a sort of semicircle. Mm -hmm. And I think it. Actually, that's rubbish. I was going to say it makes it more conducive to positive discussions and outputs, but actually the, the Australian Parliament is a bear pit. <laughs> it's, it's, that's nonsense. Yeah, we won't go there. It's a nice idea, but it's rubbish. It I think, <laughs> An illusion. I think it, it's historical because didn't they, I might be wrong here, didn't they build the opposing sides um, so that as they stretched their swords out to pro poke each other, there was just enough space for them not to be able oh, to right. reach... Well, I'm sure good. I've read that somewhere. Well, even if it isn't, it sounds like a great idea. Well, we'll, we'll pass it We should on. bring it back. I think so. It's <laughs> the future. Maybe it's the post-Brexit move, you know. It is, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so <coughs> the, the current things you're involved in, mm. give me a little bit of a story. Where, where is, so, so, 
Okay. A quiet place. Quiet. Quiet place, place. Yeah. Which in itself is a lovely idea. Yes, I suppose it came from my um, meditation practice because I've been teaching mm. yoga and mindfulness for a long time, mm. 40 years. <coughs> and that kind of inner experience, I felt, was worth sharing. Mm. Even even if, well, it, it had to be secular because <coughs> yeah. I'm a teach class teacher. Yeah. It has to be secular. And... Um, I remember once there was um, a woman, a, a lay preacher from Nigeria came to one of our schools and she went into the room and I was kind of observing or wondering what she'd say because it was very much of a Baptist clappy kind yeah. of evangelical type of yeah. uh, Christian approach. And she came out and she said, <clears throat> and she said, oh Penny, it felt like I was in church. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> What I want that I don't mean the happy clappy. I mean no, no. that central, yeah. wandering quiet to places. mystical. That's why I call mm. this a quiet place. Mm. Now to get people to that place is is the journey mm. and the programs that I've developed. Um, mm. So the room, the, the room is designed from my meditation practice mm. around nature. I remember somebody being very angry with me. He said, children should be going out into forests and walking. And I thought, well, you know, should, ought. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is they the are setting. going to happen. Yeah. And I started my work in Speak in Liverpool. And whilst there is a bit of greenery around there, um, there were no forest schools 20 years ago. Mm. So what I do is I, I um, design the room so we have different themes so we have a night sky and we have um under the sea we have a more mystical night sky you can have floating dolphins and yeah. dreamy kind of yeah. things um and the green is uh, a tropical rainforest so lions and oh. tigers great big hullabaloos do you know that and i gave buns to the elephant when i went down to the zoo do you remember no, Christopher Robin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yeah. a hullabaloo is. But the other one is the British woodland with, with yeah. um, a little waterfalls and uh, your bluebell woods, really. So those are the options that they get. And then we also use um, Venetian marble, which I came across a mm -hmm. few years ago. And the texture, the, the, the depths of um, <clears throat> luster and the the uh, kinesthetic feeling the kids just mm. love it they mm. stroke it and uh, they say hey come and stroke the wall mate <laughs> calm you down and it calms them down i know just just stroking the yeah. wall so there's a new therapy for you um but but then what goes in it has a it's not quite what they expect so as as they come in they'll often start to whisper mm. because it and and that's that is a way of bypassing the barriers people put up for you know with all their expectations and uh, they want to explore and and the magical. so they're coming into a room that's in the building that they're usually in that's right but they change yeah. their behavior because simply because the environment's different. that's right gosh a bit like going into a gallery mm -hmm. and it's sort of a revered space and people that's right. That's right. Suddenly, it, it, your voice drops. Mm. Yeah, 
And then you start thinking, why am I whispering? <laughs> <laughs> it's a gallery. Goodness <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's no echoes or anything like that. But the... Um, okay, the, so, so the behaviour changes. Yeah. Yeah. The man who does the murals is a theatre set design. So in, in effect, I could say I am designing a theatre set yeah. for a play that can be scripted with the person who's going through the programmes, can then practice safely, um, connecting with parts that they don't normally or didn't even yeah. dream about. Yeah. And in this crazy, noisy, busy world, for some of the children I work with, they've never had a bit of peace in their mm. life. So, mm. And that's, that's the way to change behaviour. That's a really good start. It's interesting that, you know, sometimes it's the simplest things mm. that make the most profound effect. Mm. I've just requested from our local MP the statistics on how much money's been spent in education since the 1960s, since 1964, actually. Really? Yes. For the simple reason that was when John Holt released How Children Fail. Okay, right. And I thought, hmm, it'd be nice to just have a look and see mm. what the budget was over that period that, mm -hmm. on education reform. I got a tentative reply. I think he was actually saying, damn it, that's an annoying question. But <laughs> he's promised he's going to get it to me. But you see, his initial reading of it was something in the region of two trillion, two hundred billion or something. It's okay. such a monumental number mm -hmm. that you, mm -hmm. you struggle to sort of know how many zeros that's Absolutely. got. But how much of that's been spent on things that, profoundly change us I'm not sure you know you look at the school of the 1960s and you look mm. at the school now and mm. you know, obviously there's changes but mm. not that many you know they still have this machine factory mentality mm. don't right. we and bundle kids together of the same age and stick mm. a teacher in front mm. of them a lot of the time mm. and bore the pants off them sometimes and stimulate them other times but mm. but that issue around quiet that's not there. Yeah. You know, we're, we're sort of preoccupied with filling every inch of the day. That's we? right. That's that right. seems uh, slightly silly, yeah. <laughs> given what we know about the mind. For sure. Although, when I, when I was at college, so I came out 72, mm. and the educational psychology, mm. I feel obliged to have a little bit more because there's yeah. some goo there to eat. Eat more so cake, yeah. It's just a little bit more cake. Um, yeah. And it's, they said then that we knew 30% of what the brain does. And now, with all the scans and all mm. the stuff, we know less than 0.01%. <laughs> so to me, that's exciting. Mm. And... The more we learn, the less we know. Yeah. Which means that everybody's brain is full of unimaginable potential, which in one lifetime they're never, never going to get near. Yeah. But I think if that's your mindset when you look at people, you don't know which of those children or adults, if you're working with adults, the miracle is going to happen to. Mm. You know that it probably won't, but that doesn't matter because in front of you, it could be any of them. So you have to treat everybody as if they, the miracle will happen through them. But um, interestingly and strangely enough, I had, a, I had an email right out of the blue from a woman, Radka, it doesn't matter. Hmm. I never, I didn't know who it was. And she 
she said she was the wife of this young man that I taught in the 80s, late 80s, so he must mm -hmm. be in his 40s now, and that he'd often talk about me and what happened to him because he was attacked in school and ended up in a wheelchair. Right. Now, he had been a young man quite active, but certainly amongst the staff there were questions about whether he was pulling a fast one. <laughs> Why he would do so, I don't know, but one of the things was his mother was well-educated, but she was the pushiest person. She'd come in that you'd face in school and mm. demand, which is fair enough. Anyway, I, I'd finished my psychotherapy training in 87, so it, it was at the beginning. And I have a friend who's a remedial therapist, and I've seen her get people out of wheelchairs where no physios Gosh, or yeah. chiropractors. I wouldn't send anybody to anybody I didn't know, shall we say. So I introduced um, Kevin to her, and indeed she did get him out of the wheelchair for the most part. And then I had to move on to work in Liverpool. So I'd not heard from him since. So here comes this letter from this wife in Spain, Catalonia, Spain. Yeah. And um, she said, Kevin often talks about you. No, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Hmm. And and how you helped him. Yeah. <clears throat> in fact, it was Pauline who helped him, who's the yeah. remedial therapist. So she said he'd love to hear from you, but I know he won't. Well, anyway, I, I just emailed back and said, you know, nice to hear that he's, he's now married with a, a little boy living yeah. in in Spain and anyway Kevin then sent me this long email really an amazing thing yeah. and this was before Quiet Place this was I suppose one of the things that fed Quiet Place yeah um so he said he said he'd listen to my relaxation recording when he went into hospitals until yeah. he'd worn it out <laughs> anyway I, I sent him a, a I sent him a connection to another mm. one so he could pick that up but it, it was interesting to have feedback from what 25 mm. years mm. ago in terms of strategy with that do, mm. is that similar to things like hypnotherapy where you mm. um people get into like a relaxed state and then you're effectively just pushing suggestions with them or is it yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> My training's hypnotherapy. Yeah, that's what but Ethna's so, done. Yes, yeah. and, and it's good. So you mm, you yeah. have the, if you have the meditation. Mm. When I first started with yoga meditation, I, I realised, I had to use the art behind meditation and hypnotherapy and the use of altered states mm. to help people mm. um, make changes that are unconscious. Because most, yeah. most yeah. of it's unconscious. Yeah. People have been talked at. The talking mm. therapies are, are fairly limited. Mm. If if they if they could talk themselves out of an issue, they would have done becoming a lot to us. So yes, there is an element of that. And the other thing, and that's what I was saying in the mindfulness session yesterday, is that it's everybody is you can't fail. Mm. Whatever you do is exactly right for you at that moment. So if they're sitting, closing their eyes and, you know, thinking of their shopping list, it's not Penny's imposition on them. It, it is where they're ready to go to at the time. 
And because I tell them what I'm doing, there's a very good book by Jeannie Laborde called Influencing with Integrity. So you're not imposing your will, you're not kind of rubbing your hands and going, give me a million pounds. It's never worked, Jess, I have to tell you. <laughs> Try as I might. <laughs> so you're actually sharing the skills and, and the knowledge, and that's why it's educational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And then people can use it anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. At any time, I suppose. Well, that's yeah. our evidence for behaviour yeah. change, yeah. is it was after the six-week programme it developed for schools. Yeah. We followed 130 children over a year, and the behaviour change was sustained. Now, yeah. there isn't anything else that does that, because it's usually, everything else is a clinical model. Mm -hmm. So the mindset of a, a therapist is there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. The mindset of an educationist is full of potential. So it does just a different pathological route. Yes, yeah. and because of the history of development of therapy, Freud and Jung and all of those people, um, most therapies are based on that kind of model. It's like attachment theory, a whole mm. range of things. Mm. And the evidence is <clears throat> certainly for nurture expectation mm. counselling, anything like that, is two years. Mm. Probably once a week. Oof. I know nobody except maybe Woody Allen or something. Well, regularly regularly therapy, to go for their yeah. music therapy. Yeah. The psychoanalysis a joke is um you you get signed up for seven between five and seven years. You have to go three times a week at a hundred dollars a day. And at the end of that you continue your behaviour, but you know why you're doing it. <laughs> now, I'm sure psychologists might want to disagree, but children in school don't have five or seven years, and there is nobody going to give them psychoanalytical for three times a week. If they get support from CAMS, which very few do, they might get a couple of sessions. So basically... It's completely ineffective, which I want. So mm. what I've done is I've developed in-house programmes where I train somebody already employed by the school to deliver them. Right, yeah. And then we quality assure and supervise. Yeah. So yeah. it's got to be safe. Yeah. It's not got to be digging about in the past. Yeah. Um, so it's, I would call it more of a personal development programme with um, therapeutic underpinning. And those people would presumably then meet together every now and then as a little group or something to support. What the children? Teacher. Are the teachers involved in it? Um, to provide some sort of we, ongoing. We support. we give supervision once a week. So, oh, right. so it's so quite a school, heavily intensive. Oh, it yeah. is very yeah. heavy. Well, it it's got to be if we want something to work. Mm. And I'm not really, I'm not a very nice person. I, I'm not interested in being nice to people. Mind giving you cake, mm -hmm. but people go oh, well. That the you know we're doing a bit of relaxed kids are doing a bit of yoga, a bit of this, a bit of that, and it's all very nice and ritual. Oh, we're doing a happiness day, and that's yeah. nice. But it's there isn't time in in my way of thinking. I I'd like that to happen all the time, but given the national curriculum, the stretch capacity of everybody in the school, and it's getting worse. Teachers are doing 60 and 70 hour weeks. They're expected to now be mental health practitioners. 
and they're falling by the wayside after five years lots of teachers are leaving um so for me i wanted the minimum time out of class therapeutically speaking for the maximum impact in class hmm. because the game here and i'd love a revolution but the reality is this um that's the way schools work hmm. and uh if they can get back to class, they'll begin to feel better. If they can learn better, you know, and they've got a knowledge and understanding of themselves a little bit more, then they can... Is there a particular better. age group to do that with, or is it any age group? It's any age group, because we yeah. can adapt it to, from little people to older people, people with special needs. We, yeah. As long as they can breathe, we can do quiet place yeah. programmes. Yeah. And does it... Does the school, when they take it on, do they they embed it into the sort of ongoing work that they're doing? So it becomes like a long-term relationship with yes, with you guys. For sure. Yeah. They they have to do a contract for three years. Yeah. Um, we train somebody up. They do our diploma um, over a year, and the diploma I've designed so that. It could be a learning mentor or classroom assistant. It could mm. be anybody, but teachers are too expensive. Again, mm. back to reality. Mm. Um, they have to do what they're doing with the children. And one of the sessions with the children is um, head, hands or foot massage. So the training facilitator has to go and have six sessions of massage. And they struggle with that hard part of our training programme. <laughs> not um and then they have to write 500 words and yeah. they, uh, about how they feel and that's sent to um Kay who is a senior lecturer in education mm. and it's about reflection so I don't care what oils we use it's about how they yeah. felt because we use touch to develop emotional intelligence not to give a, a treatment sure. so it's not sure. a treatment yeah. And then they have to do the heart math biofeedback programme, which is key part. That's such yeah. an important part. And then they have to go through the psychotherapy sessions, which are about 45, we'll call them psychotherapy sessions, emotional intelligence sessions. Yeah. They have to do them themselves. And they have to follow my script. So it's quite prescriptive, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I have to keep children safe with people who aren't therapists. If you know what I, I mean. See. Yeah, yeah. And then that once they get through that, then presumably that's why there's a mentoring, continuous oh, mentoring to yeah. have supervision afterwards. They too. have to have, they, they, they pay an annual service of yeah. the group, they get supervision and they get an annual report right. monitoring in service for the school. So mm. it becomes part of the school. So how does the school fund that? Well, originally it was done through Objective One, um, European funds, and it was done through Excellence in Cities, and it was done through the Children's Fund, but mm -hmm. that's long gone. So yeah. it tends to be pupil premium. But yeah. nowadays, even that's running. I mean, I've got one school I'm working in, a high school, yeah. where they have taken away geography from the curriculum, art and drama because of the cutbacks of this blessed government and austerity. Mm. It's a total disgrace. It's partly why we set the, that crazy coffee company up, mm. because we just found that a lot of this work that 
really makes a difference was being left by the wayside because it wasn't the mainstream curriculum. Yeah. Mm. And you just see droves of children leaving leaving their leaving their souls behind as they walk to walk into school mm. and then they you know, looking mm. back in again afterwards, you know. Mm. And that, and, and likewise teachers. Mm. I'm not surprised there's such a great exodus of teachers mm. at the moment in England from the system. Because mm. it's it's become something that a lot of people didn't join it for. That's right. You know, it, yeah. Because that copy project, <laughs> oddly enough, is actually mm. starting to work. And Fabulous. It, it might be one to look at for you guys. Yes, you know, yeah. We'll come back to it later. We can certainly yeah. pass it on. Well, Phil's got all the details. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think with mental health, mental health's increasing, I think, because of general pressure, but I think the internet has got a lot to do with it. Mm. <clears throat> and the way young people are with Facebook and very focused on, so bullying can now get bigger, mm. uh, whereas it was mm. often be kept small. And uh, we had an incident in an area that we live in where <clears throat> a 16-year-old ex-pupil foolishly stole a bike from another gang and was kidnapped and tortured for three days and stabbed oh, and chucked in the garden. And the children of those gangs are all in one school. So the pressure, <laughs> can you imagine... When I phoned up the head teacher and I said, can we help a little bit more? He said, oh, yes, please. But he said, even more than that, you remember Jamie, um, who's seven. Mm. His dad just found him trying to hang himself uh, with a belt. Now, his mother's got bi is both bipolar. Mm. And when you, nobody will help. <laughs> mm. Cams will say, oh, they don't fit into us, our criteria. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, what then? Yeah. Back to school. And mm. it isn't right. And that's just one incident, and I'm not going to give you loads more. There are plenty more. It does raise this sort of interesting point, though, about the, um, a systemic failure, really. Mm. You know, and the, the thing that I keep coming back to in my own work at the moment that I'm trying to make sense of is what happens when everybody is engaged in the same type of activity in in the same types of ways when you who, who whistleblows because you you get to a point where you can't run a control project mm. against mm. that because everybody's part of the project. Mm. It's like mm. mobile phones, you know. You can't say, oh, what's the effect if you didn't have a mobile phone mm. on the brain? Mm. Because mm. we don't know anymore because mm. most people have got them from the age of eight onwards. Exactly. And it becomes like the norm, such a huge mm. norm. Mm. To break that convention is immensely difficult unless it breaks itself, which is sort of what, in many cases happens but there's massive casualties as a result it's you know? huge casualties and it, 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 <coughs> yeah, it's, it's a hugely big conundrum in terms of what happens next really there are some it's, messages coming through from Ofsted about a whole hmm. person approach hmm. but how that's handed down when Ofsted inspection comes along yeah. to a yeah. school Ofsted are completely complicit in this yeah. 
you know, I don't have any time for them no. at all to no. provide a solution for no. this because they've not been designed to do that. No. You know, they do what they do. You know, they they might as well call themselves a police force because mm. that's effectively what it is. Mm. You know, and it doesn't matter how much they try and cushion the edges. Yeah. Ultimately, they're an operation of the state. Well, yeah. and they bully mm. teachers. Yes, yeah. the so the culture levels in, is yeah. enormous. Doing yeah. things that we tell children not to do. Mm. But that's, as you say, is... is but that's institutionalised stress, isn't mm, it? So, you know, so no surprise that it pervades down in, or percolates down into the mm. into every aspect of what the places are. Which is yeah. partly why it's interesting to create your own space, yeah. you know? And... and <laughs> okay. We're playing dough with noise in this conversation. I know, the the thing about constructing a space, mm -hmm. deliberately constructing a space, that that's intriguing because it's um, it's a gesture towards something different. That that there is a there is a potential to create something different within the existing physical architecture of an environment. Oh, absolutely! Um... And and to demonstrate it by making a practical space visually and sonically and phys you know, yeah. physically different because it's no longer a that that to me gives us a possible way forward i suppose and then and then i guess with what you're saying about the tent it opens up the opportunity to do it in places other than school as well which Absolutely. which again illustrates we can break we can break the edges you know yeah, so in school, that's where children have got to be. I know some don't go, but generally, the norm. So using the norm so people don't feel a stigma attached, whereby things that you do, and there's a company I've come across over the years called WISE, W-Y-S-E. They do extraordinary, wonderful work. But um, we have a programme I've put into one of our schools, which used to have a, um, a behaviour unit, very much run by the teacher in a very old-fashioned way mm. which is a lot of loud shouting and pulling and pushing mm -hmm. anyway thank goodness she retired and um i developed a program called the theta group now was programs the program was set up 40 odd years ago um, by two education psychologists called Nurture Group, which was mm. wonderful because generally psychologists were looking purely at behaviourism. Then they learnt about attachment theory, so mm -hmm. nurture groups. And nurture is what we want our children to have. Yeah. However, when you speak to some of the mums I've worked with in Liverpool, and I say, your child could do with going to the nurture group, they get very angry <laughs> because there is a message there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you talk to perhaps more middle-class people, they have an understanding. Mm. But if you imply... So anyway, I... Yeah. I just, You're not telling me how to raise my kids. And that that's stuff. right. Yeah, yeah. And they're already blamed. Yeah. They've often got all sorts of problems. Yeah. Um, and you, they either get angry and come out and punish you, or they get even more depressed. Now, mm. extremes of any behaviour are not a place that you can make changes in your behaviour. 
you've got to be more relaxed. So we don't use blame. There's a lovely uh, Native American saying called, uh, which is, uh, do not judge me until you've walked a mile in my moccasins. Mm-hmm. And that's our key thing. Mm-hmm. We're not judging, we're alongside, we're listening. Um, but that doesn't mean we're daft. Mm-hmm. Okay, you mm-hmm. still have to have an awareness of mm-hmm. of things that go on. But unless you come from that approach of honouring what that person is telling you now, because they're trusting you with that much, um, they're not going to tell mm-hmm. you anymore mm-hmm. until uh, later. So and we give them things that they can do. So stop drinking six litres of Coca-Cola a day. Maybe just plenty of water. But even then, when you're stressed out, changing behaviour, stress brings inertia and exhaustion. So you have to you have to have a knowledge of that to encompass and hold people while they feel safe to mm. make changes. Really, and then I guess an ability to—it's a very empathetic project, mm. isn't it? An ability yeah. to really feel and listen. Yes, absolutely. You know, I mean, you can't, I'm presuming, I don't know, but I would imagine you can't really blunder in and just tell people, oh, you know, you should do this. Oh, no. It's not going to no, work, no, no. is it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a whole different relationship thing going on. And I would imagine people are quite hesitant to begin with. I think they're curious when they come into the room, the parents, because yeah. we work, we, before our programmes, we, we ask the teacher, parent and child what outcomes they want. Now, that's wandering back to a conversation before. Mm-hmm. If you're trained as a counsellor or a therapist, you are not trained to deliver outcomes. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the past, if you mention such things, people would get the vapours and faint upon the sofa. <laughs> And now is the time to stop that nonsense. Yeah. Um, and that's clinical therapy. In schools, yeah. I want six sessions a day from my staff. In clinical work, you might have three mm. on a full-time day. The rest of the time is, you know. I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> because I haven't time. Yeah. I simply yeah. haven't time. If you don't change behaviour... Quickly, that child's excluded, and then there's nothing mm. down for them. Mm. That's mm. their whole life. Mm. So that's, I suppose it's like hot housing change. Mm. The, the room is, is like a, yeah, a little hot house. And hopefully spirit can feel safe to people. So where do you want to go with it next? What's the plan? What are you thinking about making change? No. What's the vision of this? You've proved a proof of concepts there. You know it works. You've done it over many yes, different places and over a time frame that makes it clearly happen. Yeah. So. Well, I'm no good at marketing. I have to partner it with somebody mm-hmm. who potentially has got connections around the country um, who can then develop it into different areas because mm. um, it could be, if, if it's got to be a business, it could be a very good business. It could go international, um, into schools overseas. So I'm looking for partners and, um, and people. A lot of people love Quiet Place and want to work yeah, with it, but yeah. it's not. Uh, 
it's not the viable. It may be that it's one of those things that sits quite interestingly in in the in the open territory. You know, the open community territory. There are people to take ideas <coughs> into different environments mm -hmm. based on the model, mm -hmm. um, with a with a under, an understanding implicitly in the relationship of the user that feedback is back to the common good for everybody mm -hmm. and it's sort of given away on that basis almost mm -hmm. I mean it's what effectively what we've done with Naturally Smart we put it on the open platform as a facilitation thing and as people join they they sign up they do their thing and, and they do it on their own terms in their own place mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. there, there is a prerequisite that that also goes public so right. everybody benefits right. Right. and bit by bit this thing starts to tumble sure. you know sure. and and i think that's where perhaps new technologies can be very helpful yeah to, to connect and facilitate mm -hmm. the structures of mm -hmm. these things but the face-to-face -face piece of it is um, probably <coughs> the major challenge lies i guess to get enough people to mm -hmm. be able to make the momentum there's certain work. things that could go digital without a doubt, and I make a lot of guided visualizations and relaxations. Yeah. yeah. The the actual one to one work couldn't go out. You if, can't do that without this sort of no. Closeness. And and yeah. also it it is. Um, I've not seen anything that's so rigorously documented, and that documentation mm. is part of the therapeutic process. Yeah. Yeah. So unless you train to do that, you, you don't anyway. Well, yeah. well, it'll just it'll evaporate into mm. nothing because people who do it will think, oh, I don't have to fill in these forms. Mm. That's the nature of people. Mm. So it's it's a structure that breathes and can be yeah. adapted, but it is nevertheless a structure. Mm. But the tier one, the general. Um, mindfulness and ready study learn PMS urgent class those things can can go out mm. um, but that one-to-one -one, I, I don't know how that can happen I don't even know if it could happen I know a couple of companies do um, digital support one I spoke to is brought in by the NHS all mm. over the country very successful and numbers wise <laughs> yeah. lots of numbers and generally it's on email so a, a young Gosh. person has got a mental health problem will email the problem and somebody will answer and then they have to do a feedback and say yes it was nice thank you I'm not playing that game no. and, and they totally know they know yeah. Yeah. that it's not yeah. useful but because they get the numbers the NHS can tick it off mm. oh we're providing these things and I that, don't know what the answer that's is. That's not a solution, though, no. in the sense of what you're talking about. It's, mm. There's lots of apps, you know. No, I, th I think... I mean, actually, I was talking about a very similar thing earlier with um, Alexander Crawford from Sweden. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this in the context of bringing groups together and working mm. internationally with groups of people mm. from quite different places. And... Sometimes you can do that distance in a very sort of um, fact-finding sort mm. of way, and yeah. then and then and then you bring them together, and you mm. find you get much deeper into the discussions, mm. and, find, and actually a lot of the relationship 
elements are not verbal anyway. No. So, you know, where, where digital, the, the digital support systems play a role, fine, let that happen. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to solve everything. And it's also partly about being human, I think, mm -hmm. that com comes back to that simple thing around, you know, sitting in circles around fires like we talked about at <laughs> yeah. the beginning, yeah. you know, yeah. the, 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 the innate need to sort of tell stories to each other mm -hmm. and visualise things together and imagine. And right. I don't ever see that really going. I don't think we are going to evolve suddenly over a matter of a few decades to a completely different way in which we relate to each other. And in areas of deprivation, I mean, but I think we're going back to this four-tier system where certain people, if they've had, uh, inverted commas, good upbringing, a loving and supportive family, and still get wobbly, you know, mm -hmm. can they get mm -hmm. depressed, there's a whole range of issues. There is a potential for group work. And I think you develop what you like yourself. I, I'm not a big fan of being in groups. In fact, if there are mm. a lot of people, you see, I think of Julian, Julian of Norwich <laughs> is my heroine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and the groups I have run over the time, avoided but run, there tends to be a, a noisy one and then the quieter ones don't say anything. And mm. I'm thinking... I like to start with the one-to-one -one yeah. to build people up to then if they want to go into a group. But I often work with people who have real poverty and domestic violence. There's no way they're going to sit in community groups much as I'd like it. It, it tends to be a, I don't know whether it's a David Cameron, let's get the WI to make jam. Speak doesn't have that community. They have mm. a strong community in some respects, but they're shooting people still on the other side of, you know, torturing people. Yeah. What? Uh, yes, you can work with um, young criminals or young offenders, but that's quite specialist. Mm. And sometimes, I mean, I developed a programme called The Mindful Driver mm. because... Um, relocation of cars in speak is quite popular as a young gentleman so i thought if they're calm when they steal the cars we drive them more safely and those are kind of very humble yeah. outcomes i'm looking for <laughs> don't drink six liters of coca-cola day. just drink one liter if you must do it at all so because when i first started you're kind of naive at the beginning and I remember I, I used to, I developed and managed the behaviour team for Liverpool City Council. And because I work holistically, we look at diet and exercise and whatever. And I'm afraid I, I don't work for Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they know, and I've talked to them, we've demonstrated mm -hmm. that Coca-Cola is good for taking blood off the road and rust. Mm -hmm. So we went on this day out, this picnic day out. So by the time they've been in the bus and gone half an hour, there's a competition about who's got the naughtiest child, number one. Yeah. So they And they're excited. They've finally made it. So they're on the beach. I went to park the van and I knew what they were doing. So I went along and saw them. And I saw them hiding the Coca-Cola tins. <laughs> and I'm going... <laughs> I'd like them all to come at seven in the morning, we'll all chant home, we'll, we'll drink water and eat carrots and whatever. 
it isn't going to happen. If I can get them drinking water, that's a, a good step. But then I gave you that little example before, so you never know. You never know. Well, I suppose you never know is always the reason why we carry on. For sure. You know, <laughs> I think most of the time we just think, ah, oh, to hell with this. I know, I know. <laughs> Escape. Yeah. No, that's good. That's very interesting, Penny. Thank you. Okay. I think it's... You know, it's one of those things I've always wanted to sit down with you and talk about it because it's mm. I've always had little bits of what you do and I've never quite <laughs> had a chance to get the sort of rounded view of it. Right. And the sort of um, the thing that keeps coming back to me is this, it's 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 very un unnoisy. Yes. Is that a word? Do you <gasps> know what I mean? It, it's it's there's. It doesn't mean it's simple, no, no. but it doesn't have a load of noise with it. No. So you can sort of see how this would work. You know? and, uh, none of the mm. ingredients, I mm. call it the ingredients of Quiet Place Cake, are new. And we go yeah. from ancient practices and breathing yeah. to um, heart math, the latest neuroscience, uh -huh. and just bring it together mm. in a certain time frame. But I've done a programme for um, age concern which had very good results, a very simple thing, but we've just put that out into a residential. So that's potentially something that could help bring in some funding. Mm. We've also got Wellbeing in the Workplace programme, but I've never managed mm. to trick the corporate <laughs> into buying my stuff. It's not shiny enough and I don't I have thought, a pinstripe suit. Is there not a place for this with people that are coming from very traumatised environments like war zones or mm, I'm sure there is. post-traumatic syndromes mm. from soldiers and veterans, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You sort of get the sense that the, on, a, on a planetary level there's a need to start to really care for the people more yeah. and the it may be part of this century's understanding of itself mm -hmm. as humans and mm -hmm. we actually start to get that and apply it as widespread as we can and this sure. is you know from that point of view you know mm -hmm. you're going to start you start somewhere mm -hmm. speak being speak, possibly yes. quite a good place yes, you know with one little person yeah you know where the Beatles landed in an aeroplane in the 1960s right. speak, speak airport. airport I remember it well, I don't remember it. I no, remember sure. the pictures of it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> I, I know it's difficult. It's where John Lennon Airport is now. Yes. Yeah. How the... dare they call it John Lennon Airport when they charge you £3.50 to, to drop park. somebody... No, to drop somebody to... off. You're joking. No, I'm not. And there's no point wasting time having a battle because it takes too. You could have the imagine there's no heaven prayer room. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's applicable across the board. I mean, things like veterans. I I kind of dipped into that a little bit. That's quite complex. But yeah. if you you know when when they come out of a, a war zone, they go to Cyprus for two weeks. Mm. That's it drinking and that's supposed to cure them of that heightened emotional charge that yeah. they must have and the warrior energy to me is a sacred energy like mm. anything else mm. so when they come out why don't they have 
come out of the main army and directly into a community service for a year where mm. they can settle down, still feel held in that mm. family, mm. and then drift off as and when they're ready instead yeah. of just, oh, you've had two weeks in cycles. Straight out on the streets. It just makes me so cross. Yeah. What a waste. And people putting their lives on the line. And yeah, and also, you know, just the long term as well the, mm, the, mm. the knock-on effects if you go say through central manchester now oh. any time of day you'll sit see the yeah. there's some soldiers on the street sleeping out rough it's heartbreaking. It, it is it's tragic and you know all that training and investment if exactly. nothing else you know exactly. surely somebody somewhere is asking the question is that really a good investment <laughs> you know long, long time. i don't think people it's, think i just no. they must care and I suppose mm. if you are of conservative and right wing, mm. then, well, you have a history of yeah. kicking the poor as you ride past them well, on it's your the, horse, you know, <laughs> basically. Isn't that the free market at play? You know? Yeah, what a nightmare. And opportunities, of course. For sure. Yeah. But we'll go there another day. I think so. <laughs> thank you, Penny. Mm, thank you. And thank you for cake. Perfect. And the stroke of the dog. Oh, no, what's your name? <laughs> Is he a puppy? It's Bertie. Bertie. No, he's a he's a mutt. <laughs>